what happens when you look at creativity through the lens of therapy and vice versa? You have creativity in an ever-changing world with Dr. Judy Bloom and Richard Skipper. In every episode, they come together with amazing artists who prove that with just a little ingenuity, we are all creative beings and that the gifts lie within despite the challenges of the outside world. And now, here are Dr. Judy Bloom and Richard Skipper. Hello, happy Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, I made it here. I mean, I had a power surge just about 25 minutes ago. Everything went out. And I began to panic. And I said, well, I can't bring it back by panicking. So right. I just kept rebooting and rebooting and rebooting. And we pretty much made it on time. I think we're about to right. Yeah, no, I think you did great. And, you know, once more, just proof, you know, we can't control everything that happens. You know, we just can't. Right. So go with the flow. So I'll begin by asking you who or what are you celebrating today? And did you see your shadow? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I saw my shadow <laughs> although you know Jung would say we always have our shadow so. that's right I took Benny for a walk and we did not see his shadow right so whatever that means but I will say this and I say this proudly because it's important for everyone to do this uh Monday uh Tuesday I had a colonoscopy uh -huh. and I'm proud to say everything was perfect the doctor said, I'll see you in five years. Right. I actually, it's the day before that's the worst part about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the prep. Going, it's the prep. <laughs> it's the prep. Right. After all these years, you would think they would come up with a flavor that would be at least enjoyable. It's not. That's the worst part about it. <laughs> what I love about going and doing this is I go in, the anesthesiologist comes in. He said, I'm going to put a little tube under your nose to give you some oxygen take a deep breath and the next thing i know they yeah, right fine <laughs> it's the greatest sleep in the world so if anyone out there is afraid of doing this don't be afraid it's very very important that you get your screenings and do all that yeah. so that's the message that i send out for everyone Absolutely. No, I, I had one too, not too long ago. And like you, you know, see you in five years. Great. But, you know, you got to do it. It's great. Well, let me tell you a little bit about today's show, everyone who's tuning in. Um, it's Groundhog's Day. So I reached out to previous guests on the show. I thought it would be fun to bring them back. Uh, we're not going to repeat what we did before, but we're going to catch up and see what's been going on in their lives. Yeah. Now, before I do that, I'm going to have you pick a mystery question to start the day off. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Today is going to be about creativity and how everyone's creating in this crazy world. Yeah, so, having a good time, right? Yes, exactly. So pick a number, one through five, and I will pull the first question. And then we're going to bring up our first guest so that everyone knows the order that you're coming up. We're going to do it alphabetically. So if you can spell your last name, you know when you're coming up. So uh, pull a number, one through five. Three. And the question for you is, what's your most powerful and vivid memory? Ooh, that's a good one. My most powerful and vivid memory. I think it's when I started out in television news, okay? And I talked my way into... An, uh, an interview, right, into, into an office and with the news director at uh, 
WNEW in New York, Channel 5 in New York. Oh, I remember it. Yes. I was a 20-year-old kid. <laughs> I graduated college early. So I was this 20-year-old kid, and I decided I'm going to be on, on TV, and I'm going to do the news. And walked in and said to the receptionist in this huge building in New York City, right on the corner of 63rd and 3rd, I believe it was, and said, uh, found out the name of the news director, said, Tell Ted Kavanaugh, Judy Bloom is here to see him. Sure enough, he figured secretary was out to lunch. He must have had an appointment with me. She forgot to tell him, right? As he said, send her up. And I walked in and he looked at me, he goes, uh, can I help you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, you can give me a job. And he said, uh, well, sit down. <laughs> and I sat down. You. That's and a we talked for about an hour. Exactly. At the end of the hour, he looked at me and goes, you know, Judy, I don't have any jobs for you. He said, but if you got in here to see me, you probably have what it takes to become a good reporter. You want to start one day a week, Sundays only, as a production assistant, a gopher, right? You know, go for this, go for that. Yes. You're hired. And that was it. That was my foot in the door. Good for you. Well, I'm going to bring on some, one of my most vivid memories uh -huh. is having uh, Shelly Goldstein on the show. Uh -huh. And Shelly pushed off my glasses. <laughs> you know, so I'm thrilled that you're here today. I do want to offer my condolences. Uh, we all lost Cindy Williams this past week. Yeah. And Shelly, you worked with Cindy. Yes. My very, very first job, uh, fresh two minutes out of school was uh, Gary Marshall had discovered me at Northwestern and he had seen a play that I'd written uh, in Chicago, um, uh, written with a wonderful playwright, Jerry Hazelmeyer. And um, he called me up one day and said, uh, pack everything up, come to, Cal come, to, come to California. I was in Chicago and I'm putting you on Laverne and Shirley. And uh, he said, you're ready. You're ready for this. And I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I didn't know I was ready. I didn't think I was ready. Uh, and um, I was thinking, uh, Dr. Bloom's memory, uh, my, I was remembering my first day. I didn't realize I was so young and I was so naive. I didn't realize silly things like they might have a parking space for me on the lot. <laughs> you know? So I went to Paramount and, you know, like most of, big cities, especially California, there was no parking anywhere. So I parked like a mile away and I walked in and I'm just walking through the front gate at Paramount Studios, never having been there before. And uh, I go up to, as I'm not in a car, I walk up to the guard gate and I sort of knock on it. And this guy sitting there has been reading the same copy of Variety since the Hoover administration. And he's like, what, what do you want? You know, and I said, hello. My name is Shelley Goldstein, and I'm starting today. <laughs> uh-huh. You know? And uh, a, a similar thing happened about a week later. They wanted me to go to a screening room and, and watch a film clip of a show they'd done a few seasons earlier that they were going to do a sequel to. And they said, just go there, you know, 2 o'clock for the screening. So I get there, and I get there by, you know, 5 to 2, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and nobody else is coming, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting in this beautiful, beautiful omelette screening room, waiting, waiting, waiting. By about 2.35, the projectionist goes, you want me to start this thing? <laughs> I was like, oh, I have that power? You know, so not, not to be too metaphorical, but yeah, sometimes we have power that we don't know is, is living in us. And 
yes, I felt really stupid, but but that was kind of cool. It's like, oh yeah, start the film. <laughs> I love this. This is great. So, great. Yeah. So you you just you, you kind of jump in, and I was I was constantly embarrassed because I was young, I was female at a time when, you know, maybe there would be one female comedy writer in a comedy show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, yeah, I'd had no experience in this world at all before. So I had no idea what to expect. And I remember specifically Gary saying to me, cause he had so many TV shows at that time. He said, I'm putting you on this one because you're nice. Because I need a nice person there. Everybody there, there, it was a legendarily not the happiest set in mm-hmm. town. And he goes, I'm going to say a nasty, can I say a nasty word? You can say a nasty word. Okay. He said, they will, he goes, don't worry about it. Cause, cause, cause they will, they will yell at you. They will spit at you. They, they will call you shithead. They'll throw a chair at your head. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, and I thought he was sort of exaggerating, but not so much, you know? but I had a great time there. And Penny was always wonderful with me. And Cindy was always wonderful with me. And to watch those two close up do the physical comedy that they did at the time, I, I was not great with physical comedy. I was much more surprise verbal. And um, I just watched them do things that, that were spectacularly good. Some of the best physical comedy I've ever seen in my life. And they just attacked it with, with, with again, the way you do anything mm-hmm. that you care about, particularly creativity, you just give it your all. With abandon, just yeah. throw it out there. Not this, like, not this, oh, I'm only giving 60% tonight. No, you you always give yeah. 160% or exactly. why are you there? Shelly, I want to ask you, and I and I don't ask this in a gossipy way, but uh, no, but the, the stories that- I never uh, slept with them. No, I, that's not what I was going to ask. <laughs> but the stories that have come off that set, the uh, the tension and the animosity, especially as the years went on, do you think that that was something that was created around them as well, that created that to make what it did? Well, let's remember that show was on for a lot of seasons. It's on for a very long time. And I was there at the end. Okay. So so things had, had somewhat calmed down. So you were there for the Hollywood years of the series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, But I will tell you something that was a very interesting lesson. And again, I never could have anticipated this happening. But again, this is so long ago that, you know, I in my in my office, I had a typewriter. You know, we were not writing on computers then. And uh, my first day there, the the producer uh, gave me a, a, a page of script and he told me to <clears throat> excuse me. He told me to rewrite it, to polish it, to make it funnier, punch it up, you know. So I did give it to him. He goes off for lunch. You know, everybody else is off for lunch. I was afraid to leave my desk because I figured the minute I leave it, I'll come back. Somebody else will be there who will be smarter and funnier and cooler. And, you know, so so I I really never went to lunch because I was afraid to leave the office thinking that the door would be locked when I came back and it would all be over. But I get called into my producer's office. And again, I was a good decade younger than anybody else on the staff. And there were some people, there were people there who had written for Lucy, you know, I mean, it was, it was an amazing group of people. And the producer's sitting, he's got his hands back of his head, feet up on the desk. 
you know, big, big producer chair, you know. And he goes, uh, I read what you wrote. And I'm just, I'm seeing myself. I'm flying back to Chicago at dinner, you know. And I'm like, yes. And he goes, come here. You got to explain something to me. I'm thinking, I got to explain something to him. Okay, you know. So he's holding this piece of paper. And he points to it, these, these, these two lines that I wrote. And he goes, what is this? And I said, well, it's, it's what you told me to rewrite. He goes, no, no, what is it? I said, well, it's, it's, it's lines in the scripts. And he goes, no, what is it? I said, it's, it's, it's dialogue, you know, for Laverne and for Shirley, you know. He goes, no, what is it? And I said, a joke? And he said, yes, it's a joke. What's a joke? And I said, <laughs> something that's funny? He goes, yeah, but what's a joke? And I said, well, a, a setup and a punchline? Yes, we don't do that here. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, again, there's some kind of joke thing that I don't understand, you know. And I said, well, you know, I like to write character. I don't just like to look for for a joke. And he goes, no, 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 it doesn't matter. We don't we don't do that here. He goes, you have to, they don't set each other up. They each have to have a punchline. And I said, how do you do that? You know, he goes, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, Before we bring on our next guest, Shelley, uh, Judy, do you have anything that you'd like to ask Shelley? No, it's just, it, I, I'm hearing Shelley and I'm remembering exactly the same kinds of scenarios in the newsroom that I walked into where I was the only female, you know, in the, and everybody. Did you have spunk? I, I had a lot of spunk. Yes. And everybody was at least, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years older than I was. Um, and just being in a very similar situation, you know, like, you know, feet to the fire, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And tested constantly, just constantly. Wow. Well, well, Shelly, pick your mystery question, one through four. Oh, one through four. And, and, and you did three? Oh, no, it's one through four. Uh, let's go with number two, because it's the 2nd of February. Okay. Um, I like this. It's, this, it's a statement, and I want you to go with this statement based on the story you just told us. Uh-oh. I give myself space to grow and learn. <laughs> I give myself space to jump into a hole and scream and cry and get neurotic and crazy, and then you get out of the hole and you jump back into it, you know. I saw a great quote today, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but it said... Uh, spectators have no say for the person who is in the arena, you know, because it's easy to stand on the sidelines and point fingers and say, you should have done this, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. But our next guest is someone who does not stay um, on the sidelines. He's been in the arena as long as I've known him. Uh, he's a legend here in New York. Uh, at least he will tell us that. Um, I'm a huge fan of his, and I'm so thrilled that Michael Musto said yes to coming back today. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, everybody. By the way, yes, I did see my shadow today, and it's gotten quite a bit larger. <laughs> <laughs> but, Richard, I was thrilled to hear about your colonoscopy. Did you bring the x-rays that we could look at? No, no. Uh, but if you were watching live, it was shown on YouTube the other day. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I should have DVR'd that. But I must say, I love... The prep because I love Jello, I love apple juice, and I love clear broth. Those are my three favorite things. 
You know, I didn't do any of those. I, I, uh, well, it's changed since the last time I did it. The last time I did it was 10 years ago. And it was this powdery stuff that I had to put in the water and drink that. Now it's just two liquids. And then I drink lots of water. I felt like I was being waterboarded. Uh, it was just, I mean, that was the hard part about it. And it is uh, funny that the older you get, they say, come back. You know, it used to be come back in 10 years. Now it's come back in five years. Next time we go, come back in two weeks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope not. So, Michael, what's been happening with you? Well, I love awards. You know that I'm obsessed with awards. So I'm predicting Oscars. That's one thing that I do. I really think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best Picture. That was a fun sort of trip uh, to the metaverse with Michelle Yeoh and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, the thing about that movie, it was a word of mouth hit. It wasn't supposed to be a big hit, but everyone said, you got to see this movie, and it took off. And I think they finally won an Oscar winner that made money, that people actually saw. And I, I do think Kate Blanchett is going to win Best Actress for Tar. That'll be her third Oscar. I think Brendan Fraser is going to win for The Whale for Best Actor. Wow. He didn't win the Golden Globe, and I'll tell you why. He was very open about having been groped by the former head of the Golden Globes. And he said, I'm boycotting. I'm not going to the Golden Globes, even though I'm going to be nominated. Um, out of protest, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. So they gave it to Austin Butler, the guy from Elvis, who was also good. Mm -hmm. I just think Brendan's got the Oscar in the bag because it's not a great film, The Whale. It's very contrived as a screenplay, but he gives a beautiful performance yes. of someone basically eating himself to death. But before he dies, he wants to make amends with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And everybody does very interesting news about the Tony Awards for Broadway, which is that a, a non-binary actor who plays a non-binary part in the movie, the musical, and Juliet, mm -hmm. and the name of the person is Justin David Sullivan, said, I'm taking myself out of contention for Tony consideration because I don't fit male or female categories. And I think they're going to have to deal with this in the future and say, how do we approach this subject? Yeah. How do you well, do Our several awards have already gone in that direction this year. Certain awards groups have done that, but not the Tonys, not the Oscars, not the Golden Globes. Of course, there are categories that are gender free, like Best Director at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Gender free. Uh, Tonys is Best Male Actor in a Drama, Best Female Actor in a Drama, and so on. And another interesting twist is Jay Harrison G., who was brilliant in Some Like It Hot the Musical. He plays a character who is non-binary. He plays the Jack Lemmon role. But in Some Like It Hot, the musical, Jerry realizes he's really Daphne. He likes being Daphne. They like being Daphne. Mm -hmm. And they embrace that character. So uh, where the, and, and in real life, J. Harrison G. is non-binary. Where are they going to put J. Harrison G.? In what category? How are they gonna, This is going to be a big mess until they resolve the mess. Well, do you remember when Tootsie came out and the whole joke about whether or not playing uh, someone who trained to get this work, uh, but there was a whole lot of talk at that time that there were people who actually thought he should have been in the best female category. As crazy as that sounds, a lot of people may have been joking about it at the time, but this has become a very serious issue in the business now. Well, I think it really has to be based on the actor and their gender, not the character. Harvey Firestein won Best Actor in a Musical for playing Edna in Hairspray. Exactly. Linda, Linda Hunt won Best Supporting Actor for playing a man in Year of Living Dangerously. It's based on the, on the actor. 
But if the actor is non-binary, what do you do? They're going to have to have either gender-free categories or a separate category for non-binary actors. Yeah, how would that work? I, I, that, I think that's a real question. Do we just have like uh, two, the two best actors and that includes everybody, right? You know? Yes, and you better hope they're not both old white sisters. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. That's probably what's going to happen. And there are going to be understandable protests from that. Yeah. It's a big brouhaha that has to be dealt with. They can't just pretend there's nothing to deal with here. Well, Michael, I have a question for you uh, because this came up in the news this week and you will know the facts better than I'm going to be able to relay them. But there is an, I think it's an independent film that is up for the Oscars. They took the actress out for just a brief moment of consideration because they felt that the uh, aggression, I should say, that the producers went after members of the Academy uh, to vote for this film uh, was a little too, uh, it bordered on harassment, some people felt. And, but they've rescinded that. She is back in the running. Do you know the details and can you? Yeah, uh, the movie is called Two Leslie, starring Andrea Riceborough, who's a wonderful actor. And she plays a woman who won the lottery, a Texas single mom. But then they jump ahead to six years later, she squandered every penny. And she's an addict and she's a mess. And it's all about her redemption. Um, she was out of the running because the movie had no budget. So the director's wife or so, whoever said, let's invite people to screenings, big names, you know, Jane Fonda, Gwyneth Paltrow, Susan Sarandon, or let's send them the movie. And if they like it, they can promote it. And they did. All these big names went on the social networks and said, you have to nominate Andrea Riceborough. Um, it was weird when the Academy was investigating that campaign because they don't seem to investigate big budget. You know, in the old days, Harvey Weinstein throwing millions uh, to get nominations for movies that didn't deserve it. So I think if they had taken away Andrea's nomination, there would have been rioting in the streets. But they didn't. They cleared her. And I understand the need for investigation, the need for rules. And Richard uh, and everyone, I, I cover Oscar events, so I know that even the big budget movies now are being cracked down upon as far as their campaigning. You used to be able to go to a sit-down lunch at La Grande Wee and sit with Jennifer Lawrence and have an incredible four-star lunch. And I used to love it because I'm a whore. But, <laughs> and I'm not a voter, by the way. I just predict. But now there's a rule against that. You cannot have a sit-down or even a buffet it has to be just pass-alongs, you know, prosciutto and melon, basically. And it has to be in the same event space as the screening. You can't have a fancy restaurant luncheon where there isn't a screening. You can't have a sit-down. So I'll give them credit. They're cracking down across the boards. And I believe in rules. Otherwise, some Republican in Alabama is going to say, I'm the governor, you know, and just... Well, well, they, they, well, they haven't done that already, so... I saw, I saw the film last night. Black women that were that were edged out. Daniel Detweiler for Till and Viola Davis for Woman King. It was yeah. pretty shocking that they were edged out. And that's another subject here. Oscar yes. so white. Well, we'll do an what Oscar show. Michelle, what were you going to say? Um, no. I cut her off. Or to say something. No, I just said I, I saw the film last night. And, and it's what an amazing think? performance. Amazing performance. I didn't love the movie, but I think I, I don't think she's going to win, but I think it's going to definitely help her career and her profile because she's a fine actress. 
so we're going to bring on our next guest, but before we do, you get to pull your mystery question, Michael, and it's one, two, or three. I'll take three. And your question is, uh, well, it's uh, almost the same as Shelley's. I have the power to create change. What is the biggest change that you've made in your life and career in the past year? Um, I've kind of cut down on striving. All of our lives, I'm sure, are based on striving. You want to get noticed. You want to get through the door, make your work known, make an impact on the world. But that takes so much energy. And when you reach my age, I'm 67 now, you want to just say, all right, whatever I've done, I've done. I'm there. I don't know where, but I'm somewhere. And even though it's important to keep the perseverance and pushing yourself to stay relevant, you don't want to always be the one saying, what about me? Just enjoy your life. Do what you do. Recognition will follow if it's any good. So I just strive to stay high quality and not be so desperate pushing my face into cameras all the time. Well, Michael, your body of worth, as I like to refer to it, speaks for itself. The books, the writing, your voice really matters in our community. Uh, and I'm talking about the gay community and the theater community. Uh, and you've meshed both so brilliantly in your life. Um, earlier this past week, um, a name person that we reached out to, his assistant did not feel that I had the numbers that were worthy of his coming on my show. So I wrote back to her and I said, my show is about celebrating artists and their body of worth, as I call it. Um, there's an open table for everyone. Um, I have no control over what my numbers are. I stopped st uh, striving, as you put it, to be obsessed with that because it was driving me crazy early on. And the moment you let go of it, I do the work. And most people binge watch this show anyway. So that I'm happy about. And if, um, that, person, if that person was so hugely successful and famous, anything they do would get millions of viewers. So what's their problem? Well, thank you for that. So they want to they want me to bring in the numbers. So oh. I'm gonna bring on speaking of someone who brings in the numbers, uh, our next guest who's been on the show before, Gretchen Reinagan. We haven't seen each other in ages. I love and miss you. So you are muted, so make sure your microphone is on. Sorry about that. So, uh it has indeed been some time, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. Well, Let's piggyback off of what Michael just said. Yes, I mean, you okay. also... Is it about I mean, the Oscars? I don't know anything. Well, I'm going to talk about your okay. career and the awards that you've won. Oh, because geez. when no, when you hit the cabaret scene, um, that first year with your special K show, her tribute to uh, Kay Ballard, you won every conceivable award there was mm -hmm. to achieve. All yes. in the same season. The Beast right. Award, the Mac Award, uh, the Nightlife Exchange, uh, I mean, the um, Nightlife Award. Nightlife Award, no yeah. longer exists, but you know. No, it's one of, the last, uh, yes. one of the last couple of years, yeah. But my question is, have, I mean, with all of your accolades behind you, and they're mm -hmm. there, do you feel still feel a need to prove yourself in the industry, or have you pretty much let go of that yourself? Um. I don't know if we ever let go of that, that need to prove ourselves. We, we, we strive, speaking of striving, I think towards that and towards sort of being nonchalant, maybe towards it. Um, 
I, I think that that's a, a really personal sort of um, inner struggle that, you know, many artists deal with in terms of having to prove yourself, having to be, you know, needing to be seen and, and being enough is something that I think we all struggle with. Um, in terms of, I guess it would depend on what industry, because in like the, the, the Mac, you know, cabaret world, um, no, I don't feel that need. I, I haven't participated as much in the last couple of years. I, I, um, when I got the, when I made my, uh, my album and, and got recognition for that and, and for my work at Pangea that year, um, and, and one for the, the major artist, I was like, that's, that, that was really satisfying and rewarding for me, but I didn't have a big need to continue to sort of chase that. Um, I definitely don't ever, like, I'm really bad about inviting reviewers to things. Um, I'm like, I'm totally fine if nobody sees, you know, if nobody writes about it. Um, so those kinds of things I've, I've tried over the last few years to work on things that were maybe a little riskier, not everybody's going to get and not need to have it reviewed or be commercially successful or critically successful. Um, so that is something, yeah, I've kind of let go. But then if you go, you know, theater world or even just uh, TV auditions and things like that, no, I feel I, in, in that world, I, I feel very much behind. So I, I do feel myself constantly scrambling. Well, I mean, you have a world outside of the theater as well. I mean, you have uh, a, a nine to five job, if I may. I do. We're here in my office as we speak. Yeah. Um, but you also, and you also have a great marriage and you've got, uh, uh, with Deborah, who I love, 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 uh, and, uh, all that you've got going with that, how do you balance it all out? And you also teach in addition to everything else. I do. So it's funny. That's one of the things, you know, when you were, you were, um, asking Michael about this, you know, in terms of scaling back a little bit, that that's one of the things I've physically kind of scaled that back a little bit in addition to sort of emotionally trying to change up how I look at all that. Um, so I'm not teaching as much. I'm teaching more selectively. Um, I'm not directing as much. And, um, it, you know, and then I, I get a bill for something and I go, oh, I need to teach again. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny. I was out with a friend last time we went to, we went to see a movie and we were, um, you know, we met for some food beforehand and, and we were talking just about, you know, just catching up on life. And I said, I feel like lately, I feel like I have so much going on, just, you know, the, the nitty gritty of the day-to-day -day life. Uh, I said, it just feels so busy and stressed all the time that I feel like I'm either frantic or I'm com completely crashed on my couch and accomplished nothing. It's like, it always seems to be lately one of those extremes. Go, 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 go. Try to get a million things done. And then, you know, if I can make the bed on a Saturday, that's something. That's amazing. So, you know, it's like one extreme to the other. Um, so that is something I, I, I actively am working on trying to, trying to balance a little bit better, especially as I get older. I don't have the energy to work all day in an office and teach all night like I used to. No, good. Anything you want to say, Judy, before we bring on our next guest? Well, I, I think that, that Gretchen hit, hit it on the nail when she said she's trying to learn how to balance. 
because that's what's so essential for all of us is to create that balance in our lives between, you know, the things we have to do um, and or want to do and just being able to just be and not have to do. Right. Right. So that's allowing that to be enough. And that's exactly that's really hard. And it's a lot to be enough. It truly is. It's a lot to be enough. Absolutely. So you you pick your question, one or two, and then we're going to bring on our next guest who's waiting so patiently in the wings. I'm watching you, Mary. I can see you. So, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll go with one. I hope it's not too hard. I know the answer to the okay. other. Uh, well, this is a good one. If you could eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Yes. How about um, them apples? <laughs> how about them apples? I mean, it's like, here's some food. Would you like to eat that? Yes. Um. I, I don't know if I have a favorite. Sometimes I think it's ice cream. You know, <laughs> just if I could live on that healthily, you know, why not? You know, I, I heard a great podcast the other day. They were interviewing Gavin Creel and they asked him, they said, if you were going to the death chair and the electric chair and you had your last meal, what would you ask for? He said, every meat known to man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. so I would just pile it on because you know, at this point, who cares? Although I've thought about that one, that that question, and I think that I might not have an appetite, so it, <laughs> it would be a total waste. Uh, Deborah says if she knows she's going out, my wife, you know, just all the chocolate cake, you know, she can get. She's taking it with her, you know. She's that sounds good. Going out on chocolate cake. Well, let's bring on Mary and. Mary has a distinction that the rest of these guests don't have. Um, she appeared on the show. Judy, you were out of the country, I guess. Right, yeah. uh, so, But she's here today. Mary, Hi. how are you? I'm well, Richard. I, I really appreciate you inviting me today. No, I'm so thrilled you're here. Uh, what would your meal be if it was the one meal that you would repeat over and over again? One meal. Not dessert, huh? <laughs> well, that's a meal. <laughs> it could be. What I went with. Right, if it has to be, if it's a meal, I'd say pizza. If it's dessert, it's probably chocolate chip cookies. Oh uh, well, uh, or a chocolate chip pizza. There you go. There you have it. You have it all. Forget so, it. You what? can have it all. Don't listen to anybody. So, Mary, what's been happening since the last time you were on the show? Oh, my goodness. So many things have happened because, you know, like, well, the first time you got in touch with me, I did your hashtag stay home campaign. And then we did my show. And then you had my brother on talking about his yeah. TEDx talk. How's he doing, by the way? Oh, he's wonderful. He's, but, you know, still plugging away and trying to get grants written and all tell that. Tell everyone about your brother for a moment. We'll say a, again? Uh, tell everyone about your brother. We'll give a plug for him today. Ah, my brother, Dr. Steven Rosenzweig, not medical doctor, PhD. He does medical research at the Medical University of South Carolina, and uh, he's head of research at the Hollings Cancer Center in South Carolina, in Charleston. And he was doing some research, and an unexpected result came about, and it has to do with nanotubes and direct... Uh, transmission of medication to the brain, which could have implications for Alzheimer's and cancer. And it's astounding. And, you know, just trying to, to get grants written and get people to buy into it. That's the hard part. And Mary, I don't think we really delved into the work that you do uh, also beyond your singing with uh, the hearing impaired and how well, yeah. it all began for you. Okay. 
Um, I was a speech-language pathologist for 35 years, and I am officially retired from that now. But uh, I met a hearing-impaired friend when I was in high school, and she was my inspiration to get into that field. And my mom was hearing impaired too. Um, but I've worked in many, many settings. I worked at the VA hospital when I was in graduate school. And I worked at a local hospital here and, and developed the specialty area of working with babies in the neonatal intensive care unit. Because um, they communicate in very interesting ways. You know, they're just... Uh, you're looking at their monitors and their heart rate can tell you information and their oxygen saturation can tell you and the postures they're taking and so on. Anyhow, and of course, we also did feeding. So that was very exciting. My last job as a speech pathologist was in the school system. And I worked with kids with learning disabilities, uh, autism, Down syndrome, all kinds of things. Uh, my favorite was a group of kids who stuttered. And um, I had a group from all the different grade levels so they could support one another. And I had them go around to different classrooms and give talks about what is helpful if, they, if someone hears them stutter, what is not helpful if someone hears them stutter. And they talked about uh, famous people that perhaps they had heard of who were successful despite the fact that they stuttered. So, no. You mentioned the R word a few moments ago, and that's retired. Yeah. No retired one, from speech pathology. You know that, I, know that. I started my new singing career. I know that. But I was going to ask, does it feel like you're retired, or do you miss that aspect of your life that uh, of going and every, doing that every day? By the time I made the decision, I was so done. <laughs> just because I worked in a school system and that was before COVID. And then when I saw what all my colleagues were going through during COVID, I thought, wow, did I get out at the right time? And I could have continued on in different areas, but I became so enamored with pursuing my childhood dream of being a vocalist that I was able to step away from that without regret. That's great. Uh, any questions, Judy, before I uh, ask you your mystery question? It's the one left. No, go, go uh -huh. ahead, Mary, because I, you know, I think it's great that you were able to transition from one career to another and you know, have like a whole new life, right? You know? Thank you. Yes. Well, I will say, <laughs> as Gretchen or anybody else who's done cabaret will know, you can't always make a living at that. So <laughs> fortunately, I have a very supportive husband. <laughs> um, and sometimes I cover the nut and sometimes I don't. So, well, uh, I say, but my I, heart is always full. I raise a glass to our supportive spouses because, yes. you know, we're lucky. In that yes. yes. So your question, I'm going to ask you, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in front of an audience? In front of an audience. Yes. Well, if there's one behind an audience, but you can tell us uh, about it. <laughs> what embarrassing in front of it. Well, you know, you slip up on something. It's going to be embarrassing. But I, oh, I just remembered something. Okay. Um, I used to be involved in a community theater and we were, there was an awards night and it was always a very fun affair and there was a lot of silliness backstage and on stage and in the audience. And 
a friend of mine and I, we were co-presenters for an award. And she's this elegant, tall, beautiful dancer. And we decided we were going to do a little dance on the stage. And she said, okay, you lead. And, or no, she said, okay, I'm going to lead. And then she forgot because she had just a little too much wine backstage. <laughs> and we got tied up and we fell flat on the ground. The good news is it could have been really embarrassing, but we laughed so much and had such a good time. It really ended up not being as embarrassing as it could have been. And the audience loved it. They did. They really Physical did. comedy is the best. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I have put together some random questions that I'm going to throw around uh, on the creative process and our cre own creativity. And I'm going to start with you, Shelley. And the question is, what projects um, consistently have created positive energy for you in the past year? Well, great question, Richard. Um, I've been very, very lucky in the past year because I've, it's been a very kaleidoscopic year. I've been working as a cabaret and musical theater performer here and in London. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be acting, I'm actually coming to New York this month and I'm doing a show down in the Battery one night uh, at the Museum of Jewish Heritage cool. of all the places. Uh, but I've also been writing uh, here. I've, I've been writing a lot of comedy and award shows and things like that. In England, I'm working on two new uh, TV series. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, so so it's been a, you know, there was the COVID. Oh, my God, is everything over? It will never work again for a while. And it suddenly got really, really busy again in all sorts of wonderful ways. So. In that regard, I'm very, very grateful. And, and because the things I do are very, very different, it gives me a nice balance. So wonderful. And please send me all the details for your New York appearance. I will. I'm going to do everything to be there. I just want to- Can I just say one other thing? Yes. I'm I mean, every, these three brilliant women are, are very amazing, but I'm, I'm fan crushing on Michael Musto. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been, you know, I will tell you this. <laughs> you know, Michael and I, I mean, we appeared together at the limelight. Do you remember that, Michael? Yes. Yeah, 150 years ago in my other <laughs> In a wonderful Carol Channing because it was hilarious and accurate, but also respectful to Carol. Yes. And that was the first time that I performed on a stage of that magnitude in front of an audience. That and was the first time I performed on a stage of that magnitude. It was no, okay, I'm joking. In addition to writing, I've, I've sung my whole life. I, I joined the, the Columbia Glee Club when I went to college because there was a free trip to Mexico. <laughs> uh, but I realized they were literally going to put us up in a jail cell. But in the <laughs> 80s, hey, you make In the 80s, uh, I started a band where we did Motown cover songs. And I still perform. I perform at a review at Pangea called Nouveau Reach once a month. Oh, cool. And uh, Nordstrom's has somehow taken upon having me to book their Broadway nights. And I like being a booker because it's like the reverse side of what I normally do. Instead of asking celebrities for interviews and begging them for favors, I now have a budget where I can pay celebrities to come and perform. In a well, send me the information, both of you, about your project so that I can put them on the YouTube channel. So, Michael, same theme of a question for you. Who are the people that have consistently given you positive energy when it comes to your creativity in the past year? 
I've always loved the nightlife, and I feel comfortable there. But this, it's like the movie Chicago. We, none of us were loved enough as kids or something, but we create this sort of wacky family where we accept each other. No one's going to make fun of you for wearing a flower pot on your head. They're not even going to notice because they're wearing a bigger flower pot. <laughs> and so I'm always returning to the nightlife. Suzanne Barsh is the premier party promoter of New York. She's led this long conga line uh, starting in the 80s, really through the Giuliani era and everything. She's not bothered by any oppression. And she brings together straight, gay, non-binary, every, you know, CEOs, lesbians, go-go dancers, everything. And I love a mixed crowd. To me, that inspires me. If I walk into a nightclub, it's a little bit of everything that makes New York fabulous. I feel alive. I, you know, how lucky those of us are that are in the profession that we're in, that we experience that on a regular basis. Uh, mm -hmm. When I think of people, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina. Um, you know, certain areas were still um, segregated when mm -hmm. I left South Carolina in 1979. Um, last night, I was watching uh, this show on ABC about uh, African-Americans in Las Vegas and how it was difficult breaking through that wall. I don't know if any of you saw it. If you've missed it, you know, please try to find it. Uh, I mean, how they were constantly, create, you know, breaking glass ceilings over and over and over again. And as I was sitting there watching this last night, I thought, how absolutely absurd it is in this country that people are being oppressed because of their skin color and you know not allowed to walk in the room i mean frank sinatra god bless him said he would leave vegas if they would not allow sammy davis jr to walk through the front door when he was performing at the sands and dinah washington after going in the swimming pool when she was headlining and making thousands upon thousands of dollars for the casino. When she went to the pool, they drained the pool. Mm. You know, the, the I, I can't wrap my head around it. And if I live to be 5,000 years old, I will never understand the prejudice that exists in the hearts of so many people in this country. Well, who even needs to look at those old documentaries? Look oh, at right. now, look at Florida. Yeah. Look at, look at Look at the ban on African-American in Florida. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's Teachers are hiding their books because they don't know which books go against the Florida laws. They could right. be charged with a felony for having an Alice Walker book. Right, right. And that's, by the way, I'm in Florida. And yeah. That's so am I. True, right? <laughs> yeah. Judy and Mary are both in Florida. Um, same theme of a question, Gretchen, for you. What are the activities that created positive energy for you that got you through this past year? Um, the activities. Um, well, I did a I did a show this summer at the Flea Theater. Um, so if that's an activity, that was definitely very very good for my heart and soul, and I was really proud of the piece. Um, uh, and uh, it was really kind of an amazing experience for me. Um, so I think, you know, that certainly um, in this past most recent year, uh, and honestly, it just, it, you know, it's a little sort of mundane thing that 
you know, most artists don't want to have to deal with. But for me to get up and come here to this office, which is filled with people that I actually love. And I think because when I took this job, I decided, like, this is who I am. If you want to hire me to work in the exec suite, then okay, but know who you're getting. I'm not going to change. And somehow, you know, that worked out. And I ended up with this boss who's really amazing um, and who gets me and jokes with me and lets me just be myself. And uh, they provide me with so much material that it's just, you know, and they come to the shows and love to hear me make fun of them. So, uh, but- I know, I've been there, so I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, but, but being able to get up and go somewhere, um, as much as it was hard to get back out of the house after working from home, it, there was something about also coming back out and being sort of present in the world and around other people that was just very helpful to me. I, I felt much more productive. I felt more myself. I, I also, you know, it helped with just my general fear level. The longer I sat at home thinking about what was happening in the world outside, the more afraid I was getting. Wow. So. And uh, thank you. Uh, and Mary, same question. Um, what created positive energy for you this year uh, when it came to your creativity that kept you going uh, against uh, all odds? Well, it's kind of twofold. One was I kept trying to find interesting projects to do, and I have one really exciting one I want to tell you about. <clears throat> Pardon me. But the other side was I felt like as uh, even though the music industry, it's a healing kind of thing and it's a unifying activity, um, I felt like there's an even bigger picture. And I started getting involved with Equality Florida and the ACLU and doing their call training and, and signing up for their events. And so I just feel like, I don't know if I'm doing anything, but it's better than feeling helpless all the time. But musically, um, I got involved. I've started singing with the Pops or Orchestra of Palm Beach, of the Palm Beaches. And I have a concert on the 11th coming up. But the the other very exciting thing is, you know David Mullimans, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. He's one of my dearest friends. And well, we... I will do that. <laughs> um for about the past eight years, we've talked about creating a community of cabaret singers down here because, you know, how many times can we fly up to New York? I, I performed three times in the past year and a half at, or is it going on to, yeah, year and a half, uh, at Don't Tell Mama in New York City. But I live in Florida, so that's hard. And I was at the Midwest, I was part of the Midwest Cabaret Conference last spring, and it was great, but it's hard. Why don't we have that down here? Uh, you know, a, a Cabaret Scenes magazine has, uh, you know, dozens of state representation in their listings. Florida's not on there. So I said, we need to get on the map. And David and I have been talking, 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 stalling, stalling, stalling. And so I finally said, we just need to get together and sing and schmooze. Let's have an open mic night. And that just happened on Monday night. And unfortunately, David had pneumonia and couldn't be there. Um, but... I never knew how much I would enjoy hosting something like that. It was a thrill. Bobby Pico played for us. It wow. was very well received. I'm just so excited about. So now we're the South Florida cabaret singers community. 
and we'll see where it goes. Well, congratulations. That's come to Naples. <laughs> Say again? I said, come to Naples. That's where I am. Tell me where a venue is and we'll be there. Okay, I will. Um, I, I beautiful just, theaters I, in Naples. I, yeah. I just started volunteering at the, uh, for the, the Naples players down here. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of theater down here and uh, I'll figure out the right, I think I know, but I'll figure okay. out the right, the right venue for you. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Judy. I look forward to that. Yeah. I will say, you know, there's, it's not that there are no venues here on the East. I'm on the Southeast and it's right. not like there aren't venues, but unless you have a recognizable national name mm -hmm. or big, you know, big draw, they're not giving the local performers a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, they're either saying, well, you can perform here, but you can't perform for 60 days before or after your performance. And if you're local, that's four months of no work. You can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Well, yeah. uh, you know, having done the condo circuit in Florida, it's a very bizarre circuit, if I do oh, say it. Oh, it is. It so, is. Uh, I've, done, I've done that circuit. It was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's a yes. very interesting. I think I find more joy. Like, I just did a, um, a prom for a memory care facility, and that was delightful. It was so great. You know, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a real restaurant, theater, venue, whatever. It can just be at a facility like that. So. Well, I know I'm going to sound like Pollyanna and this is going to sound like a cliche, <laughs> but I don't have to spring to come up because this is spring for me. So all of you being here today, we're going to wrap up. Um, and But uh, each of you are going to get your chance to get your final word. It could be about anything that we spoke about today that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't uh, talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with. I will pick one of you to go after me, and then the next person will pick the next person, the next person, until uh, Judy Bloom will have the final word today. But I have a, a great journal that I keep, and it's based, it's called the Core Values Journal. And every morning I get up and I pull a word for the day. And the word that I pulled today was pride. And I know that those of us who are in the uh, LGBTQ uh, community, uh, we think about pride every June, uh, although in Australia they're doing it right now. Uh, that was very interesting to find out that it's done at different times. Uh, but I think about the word pride and what that means in terms of who we are as humans, and as, uh, as entertainers, and whatever profession you're in, we need to find the pride within ourselves. And we need to put that out into the world. Uh, because as I said earlier, uh, if someone is looking only at the numbers uh, and they are making a choice whether or not to come and sit with us based on that, that's on them, that has nothing to do with me. I have great pride in the work that I do. And I've reached a point, um, I'm going to be 62 next week on the 11th when you're doing your concert, Mary. And I, and I reached a point where I feel that my work, a lot of my work is behind me. I'm writing a new show that I'm debuting next month here in New York. Um, and it's looking back over the career that I've had and the people that I've met and that I've learned in the business. And that's what that show is going to be about. And I think all of us have been around long enough that we no longer need to prove ourselves to anyone. We don't even need to prove ourselves to ourselves. Uh, the work is there. 
So as you all know, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone and call someone that you haven't spoken to in a while and let that person know how they matter in your life. Because none of us are promised tomorrow. I'm not being morbid, I'm being honest. We need okay. to show that love while they're here with us today. Um, as a friend of mine says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. I say some people are in uh, canoes, some people are in rafts, some are on yachts, some are on tugboats pushing everything upstream. It doesn't matter what size boat you're on. Just make sure that you have a skipper by your side. And Shelly, I'm turning it over to you. Oh, gosh. Um, well, well, quick, quick, silly plugging. Um, uh, I uh, hope if you're in New York on February 22nd, you'll come see me working with the Braid Theater of L.A. at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Uh, later on this year, I'll be back in London doing uh, Jerry Herman Cabaret that I did last year and a couple of other concerts that we did. And I guess the last thing I can say today is um, happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday, Richard Skipper. Happy birthday. We love you. Just whatever you're doing, <laughs> keep doing it. And to quote Dolly Levi by way of Jerry Herman, whatever you do, for God's sake, keep breathing. Thanks, Shelly. Uh, Michael, why don't you go next? Um, I would send a message out to young LGBTQs that you are loved, you are accepted, and you're not the problem. The people bullying you or stripping you of your rights, they're the ones with the problem. They're insecure. They're the kind of people who kick sand into the face of vulnerable people on the beach. Eventually, they're going to just fall through the trapdoor of ignominy and go away. You're going to triumph, so hang in there. And by the way, when did I go from a bitchy columnist to Marianne Williamson? I don't know. <laughs> um, but let me just also conclude that everyone of any gender, sexuality, or whatever, this is how you should start the day. Wake up, kiss the ground uh, in gratitude that you're alive because so many people aren't so lucky. Then wash off your mouth, go in the bathroom, look at the medicine cabinet mirror. And just <laughs> I love you, Michael. Unless your name isn't Michael. Um, I love you. And that means you're going to spend the day Loving yourself, protecting yourself, not blaming yourself, making sure you're, you're okay. It works for me, or it's going to work when I start doing it. Because I haven't actually done that. I'm one of those, you know, do as I say, not as I do people. Uh -huh. I just think uh, I've learned to, to be grateful. I've seen so many people fall through the cracks in horrifying ways, uh, not just natural causes. Uh, I've seen suicides and... You know, in the 80s and 90s with all those horrible AIDS deaths. Mm -hmm. um, then there was another wave with uh, COVID. I lost my aunt, a wonderful nun, Sister Rosaria, who was not young, but she still had time left. And she was dragged away. I couldn't visit her because it was contagious. Remember, you couldn't visit people in the hospital. Right. And her final words were, tell my nieces and nephews that I love them. Mm. So she was sort of a rock for me. She never judged me. She knew what I was about and just was supportive. So you queers out there, I'm I'm the rock for you. You can always come to me. I'll give you words of wisdom and support and tell you you're going to be okay. 
Thank you, Michael. Gretchen? Uh, well, you know, Richard's analogy about us all being on a boat is kind of terrifying to me because I, I think I'm like in an inner tube just, you know, trying to stay afloat. But, um, but you know, it's a fun ride. My word of the year, I think, is fun. I've got reached this point where I was talking with somebody and like what we wanted for our life. You know, what what were our big dreams that we're still trying to accomplish? And I looked at him and I said, I think I just kind of want to have fun. Like, is it okay to just sort of have fun in life? You know, and I was talking with a with a friend who was a former agent of mine who, you know, her word of the year sort of that she said for herself was joy. And it's the same thing. I want to be able to just try a little bit more, you know, try something tomorrow that I didn't get to today and do my best to just enjoy where I am because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think there's a whole lot else. I think the rest of it is all kind of smoke and mirrors. And I think that the core of life is just, you know, where you are right here. And, you know, wherever you are, there you are. And why not try to just have some fun? I don't know. That's kind of been my thing this year. Thank you, Gretchen. Okay. What do I want to say? Um, Everything everyone has said has resonated, particularly what Michael said, as you may have guessed from the indication of my pronouns on there, is that it's uh, an issue near and dear to my heart. Um, My youngest is non-binary. Um, my daughter is gay. I'm very, very much an advocate for the LGBTQ community. And I would say just know that you never know what someone else is going through. So be kind and uh, do what you love. Uh, I'm sure there was more kind of (laughs) went right out of my head, but I really appreciate it. I'm glad I got to meet you this time, Judy. And I want to thank Richard for being just best interviewer ever. Just really enjoy being here. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. And thank you to all our guests today. Uh, And I, you know, for me, the word of the day is play. Get out there and just play. Have fun. Try something new. Don't be afraid to fail. If you do, so what? Move on. Do something else. Try something. You may not like it. That's okay, too. Try something else. Keep going. As far as we know, we really only have one life to live, so we may as well make the most of it. We'll see you in two weeks.